this is where I'm going to be at. It sounds incredibly echoey in here. It does. It's so echoey. Because there's everything's no off the walls. The walls. Stop calling my belongings shit. Well, it is. It's not shit. Listen, it's shit. It's not shit. It's nice like things. The stuff in my house it's is not, shit. The stuff in your house is not shit. Got shit is lovely. All about my house. No, you don't. Listen, you've got lovely things. You should be ashamed of yourself. How dare you? Shit, you've got hung on the wall in this house. I have to do things that I don't want to do anything, Sarah Jane. I'll do, if you give me a fucking. I do the glossing, uh, not the butter. Did you gloss in here? I glossed only the first coat, only one coat each. Uh, so I have to do a second coat now. And I've done two coats on Collins this door, yeah. that door. And then the, this door in here I've only done one so I have to do another one of that and another two, another one on each of these. Welcome to... Uh, <laughs> Emma vi- talks about painting. Visual uh, descriptive of podcast of Emma's painting. Which are now white. Um, so you're painting your house I since hate 1978. It. I hate it every minute of it and it's the worst thing I've ever done and if I ever mention it again I want you to punch me full force in the face. Well this is the first time I've ever you've ever done it. I've in never like I've never I've helped I've helped my mum like paint the odd bit but I've never done to this extent. Oh. And this is a big job like you're doing everything. Do you know what the worst part is? My house, my apartment is so small that when I'm trying, when I'm trying to paint somewhere, it's getting somewhere to put the stuff that's there. Like, mm. I, I, I don't have no space. I have no space. So it's fine. It's nearly done. You should have done what that man did. What paint man? around things. <laughs> he wants paint around. She's like, he painted around the desk upstairs. Uh, Graham's dad did that in our house. No, she paid him a fuck ton of money, so I understood her Graham's dad, I paid to paint our house uh, and then Sarah's we came top. home and he painted around things. Why? Like, I know it sucks. I know it's the worst, but like you have to pull the shit out, man. Well, also if you're like if it's your job, yeah, your Anyhow. job, bro. Welcome to episode thirty nine. Thirty nine. We're nearly at forty. What are we going to do? Forty. Uh, you said you're going to get naked. Oh, going to do 40? it in a nip. I think I said that for like twenty, and I didn't do anything. I lied to the people. Lies. The Plus last tale. Oh Jesus! Sorry. Plus, listen. You do not want to see any M and the nip. You're better off. We've um, your lives now. I don't know now. Give up your old sins. I'm getting a lady boner. Lady boner. Um. Anyway, it's the newest episode. How was your week? What did I do? Nothing. Painted. It was your food. birthday. Uh, I came Happy home. birthday. Happy Colin. birthday. I came home and I had two slices of toast and I got into bed and then Colin was like, do you not want some of your cake? I was like, no. That was horrible. <laughs> did he give you cake? He got me carrot cake. He was very Aww. cute. And I was like, no, I'm going to bed. I hate my birthday. Also, work was shit that day. I know. Oh, it was garbage. How was your week? Um, my week was. What's going on? Oh, it's just the earphones are making a noise. But I don't know. Earphones. I don't think I did anything this week. Mm. Um, are any of us doing anything at all no. ever? No. It's pandemic. We're surrounded by the cats this week. Oh shit! The cats are here. I'll leave them. They're happy. If they wake up, I'll put them out. Uh, Hades is having the time of his Hades life. Hades is very comfortable right now. <laughs> I've never seen a cat more comfortable. Yeah, Jack is out cold as well. He's just there. Um, Hades, yeah. get, Hades putting on weight I'm delighted yeah Hades is much better yeah he's he's getting a belly thank god about. we didn't have to start to go fund me oh Jesus Christ what a minute for Hades serious breakdowns going on here now um, that died. Graham said he's seen a little dog today in the park and the lady said and that I needed a wheelchair wheelchair for a doggy oh I think it's very expensive oh my god it says crazy money crazy money um, crazy money I'm trying to think what we did this week I did fucking well you nothing. came over to me and we had some really nice food for your we birthday we did and Colin took took a video for content. Colin has made videos for content. He's obsessed with content. Colin's new slogan is ABC. What's ABC? Always be contenting. <laughs> so I wanted, I want like a pen or something that says always be contenting. Mm. 
We were we were walking to the shop the other day. Just me so calling. Walking to the doing, bins. We were walking to the bins. It wasn't even to the shop. We went downstairs to put the bins downstairs and he went to me, Did you bring the recorder? And I went, No. And he's like, I'm mean, we always need content. <laughs> go to the fucking bins. <laughs> always, what did he think was gonna happen? I don't know. We literally went down to the bins, put the bit rubbish in the bins and went back upstairs. Alright. Always be content and Now I will say, and this may sound like an arrogant thing. Go on. We're hilarious. <laughs> and at all times, <laughs> People should be recording. People should just constantly be recording our lives. We've said some of the best things, <laughs> but also... Some of the worst things. Some of the worst things <laughs> that uh, can't be on anywhere. No. Just can't. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll be I thought... I, do you know what? This year... I don't know if you, you might want might mind me saying this, but I thought you handled your birthday better this year. I did. I just came home. But I think it's because work distracted you. Yeah, work was mental. Absolutely insane that day. So I just normally kinda, it kind of triggers. Oh, I hate birthday. I hate I I'm I the same. I'm dude, not saying I wish that because I, I'm like, so envious of people that like their birthdays. I wish I liked like, I, I, No, I'm not envious of them. I'm envious of them from afar. And then when I meet them, I'm like, oh, you're a cunt. <laughs> Colin and I'm like, you're Colin has like a full arrogant solid. sack of shit. Colin has a birthday week. I wish, yeah, I get that. Like a lead this, up. Um, I have second cousins. So my mum's cousin's daughters. They're my yeah, second cousins, second right? Cousins, yeah. Um I could sleep with them and it'd be cool, right? Yep. Okay. That's exactly it. <laughs> no fact checking needed for that statement. <laughs> they're both women, we can't make it babies. It's fine. Um but their mother, unfortunately she's passed away from breast cancer now. Oh. But she used to like go all out Loved for her birthday. birthday. And then their her daughters kind of do it as like a memory of her. So on That's their birthday, very sweet. they do like this like week long birthday thing. And whenever I like see them, I'm like, this is amazing. And then my That's birthday, I'm like, sweet. I don't want to get out of the bed. We are literally the exact same on our alone. birthday. Exact same on our birthday. It triggers. It triggers me. It triggers like it. all of my shitty kid memories. Yeah, because even it triggers them all. I, That's what it is. Even Flavio, he's he gets he's excited about my birthday for me. And then he's like, what are you doing? How, how are you getting on? And I'm like, I'm literally not doing anything. Mm. It was his birthday yesterday and his friends came down. Aww. And he made pizza. Oh my God. He sent me pictures. Oh. What did you he get? Made, he made pizzas. I got him a bowl for his, that new KitchenAid. That KitchenAid. And I got him a book and I got him a t-shirt. And I sent them off to him. So Happy birthday, Flavio. Happy birthday, Flavio. He never listens to this podcast. No, he does not. He said, I don't care. I don't want to listen to about murder. And I was like, he's, the one that, he's the reason this podcast is. Mm. He said, you and Sarah should do a podcast. I said, you've never met Sarah. He's like, you've told me enough. (laughs) 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 I always feel sorry for when Flavio does meet me. No, he'll have a great time. I don't know. He'll have a great time. Not that like, I don't know that I'm not fun because I am. He'll have a great Um, time. But I just, I am a lot. And me and Colin, I don't think, I I don't think we're any more when we're together. No, you're, he'll be fine. He's, I think he's if anything, sometimes Colin steals my thunder. Colin does steal your thunder. And if there's a lot, of, a lot of thunder stealing going on, I like just sitting in the back watching um, it happen. Oh. Do you know what I'd love? What? Uh, a jam donut. Oh. Or a cream donut. Beautiful girl. From, from that bakery down the road. Tasty treats? Yeah. Can't beat it. Fucking delicious. If you're I ever in Ballyfermot, lads. Get your little butts to tasty treats. But only get the fresh cream stuff. The other stuff's muck. No, and I always say this, and I know it's not the right way to say it. But go down to the village. I know it's not a village. People, it is. Because so, it? people call it the shops. Yeah, so we call it the shops. But yeah. the road across from the gala. Yeah. That's called Ballyferma Village. Well then, go down to, pop down to the old village there now. Tasty treats. They do a lovely uh, tiger loaf. And also the cream donuts are fucking delicious. Oh, and their gingerbread men are lovely as well. They're really they soft make really and nice really, really nice. He fired my ma. What? Yeah. Take it back. 
Burn it to the ground. No, she probably had it coming. Right MMI in the window. Burn it to the ground. She had a heart. No, she didn't have a heart attack. She had a panic attack that she thought was a heart attack. Hmm. And then obviously come come to work. Like in work? Or before she went? She was getting ready for work. Oh, you poor mama? Nah, she was grand. She fucking acting the mega. (laughs) (laughs) So Craig called it the other day. Abby acting. I've heard that in so long. Abby acting. Um. Have you got any housekeeping? Uh, housekeeping? Yeah. Just thank you again to everybody who's signed up for the Patreon. So many people have signed up. More than I ever thought would sign up. So thank you very, very much. We put up content today. Uh, also, we're doing, for anybody on Patreon, we're doing an Ask Me Anything thing like the Redditors do. Ask Emma Sexual Things! Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> ask anything situation, you can go on the Patreon and ask us anything. I don't know, people want to ask us stuff. What do they want to know? Uh, well, a lot of people kind of wanted to know how we knew, how we all knew each other. Well, let me attack. They also wanted to know about, uh, or like, about what we got to choose, true crime, all the usual kind of stuff. Um, the story I'm going to tell this week, yeah. today, today is uh, the story that got me into like crime. <gasps> crime of the century. But not murder as such. What's that man's name that does all the tr- crime? Does all the crime reporting in the newspaper. Oh, I know And he's always like this. The guy wears a really awful jacket. Yeah. I don't know how he hasn't been killed. That's how, how I know him. Because he's fucking involved. He's a tower. It's breaking. Breaking news. <laughs> I can't remember that lad's name, but jeez, I don't know how he hasn't been fucking murdered. He's in, with, he's in with the Molly is. Um, let's see. I can't remember his name. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. I just... Donald McIntyre. Is he the small man? <laughs> yeah, he is quite small. <laughs> Donald McIntyre. He Donald. wears that awful um, biker letter jacket. Yes. Like the one Graham has that I hate. Yes, that's it. And he got for 12 euro in Tesco's. Ah, would you leave him alone in his 12 euro? There's a reason it was 12 euro. Problems. Um, Uh, Him, and then there's there's a lady now that's really popular. There's that other guy. What's the other guy's name? Paul Reynolds. Paul. Paul, Is it Paul Williams? Does he be on RTE? I think so. That's Paul Reynolds. Paul Reynolds, that's who it is. Oh, this guy as well. Show me. That guy. The little small man. Oh, I don't know who he is. Yeah, he's... Oh, I do know who he is. He's yeah. got those TV tree documentaries. Yes, that's the guy. And then she snapped. And um, this man has not aged well. And I know I'm just tearing him shreds here, but like... Destroying him shit. Look at him there. Right? Right? Now, I know the stress and everything of like... Yeah. That first picture, I would have touched his penis over his trousers for like two seconds. <laughs> And then moved on with it. I just think his haircut does him no favours. Paul Williams is married to his wife, Anne. And he's two teenage daughters. Good man, Paul. Um, McIntyre used to do that McIntyre uncover thing on BBC. Um, these crime journalists have made, like, so much money out of, like, wandering around telling people stuff. Fair play to them. Sure, listen. That should be the description be the crime journalist. Poor old Veronica Guerin. They're just wandering Jesus. around telling people stuff. Veronica Guerin did amazing work. It's so sad. I remember they happened. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Uh, the lovely Phoebe, the most amazing, wonderful person in the world, Phoebe from Twofold Print Studio. Twofold Print yep. Studio. And Etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Phoebe Phillips Design. So P-H-O-E-B-E Phillips Design. Um, she has made us some absolutely amazing posters. 
They are so fucking cool. They're like really I'm cool. obsessed with them. It's like the perfect seafoam green. Just gorgeous. The font is amazing. I love um and then Sarah's gonna tell you what we we only have I think 35 of them so far. Um, and then we're hoping to get more. But Sarah's going to tell you what we're going to do with the 35 of them. Yeah, so we're going to put up a link on our Instagram and our Patreon and our Twitter. And we're going to sell the 35 off. And all of the proceeds, bar the postage and packaging, will go to the Rape Crisis Centre. So of all the 35 posters we have, all of the proceeds from them will go to the Rape Crisis Centre. Yeah, and then we're not sure uh, how much we're going to be selling them for yet, but we'll figure all that out, all the semantics out, and we'll do that. And then we're going to ask Phoebe to print us some more if people are interested after yeah. that. If there's if anybody would like some, we're going to go back to Phoebe and get them. And she's a small business and it's really nice to support small businesses so as well. Nice. And her work is fucking beautiful. Honestly, go on her page. She has this ray gun print. And I'm going to buy it. I'm getting paid on Friday and I'm going to buy the fucking ray gun print. I'm getting paid on Friday too. Away. It's incredible. Her work is amazing. And currently she's doing... Um, uh, I want to say installation but like a series of portraits of famous people of colour and it's excellent she's amazing we love Phoebe Two Fall Print Studio on Instagram follow her but yes we will put up the prices and everything else whenever we get that sorted follow her plus it's us so you know it's us we go we'll do that next week and then we just don't do it but we will do this because it's for oh yeah someone asked us how we record and did we consider the quarantine the the covid regulations so i just rather than it be a thing and it was not respond we may as well just respond me and emma live right beside each other literally five two minutes walk i also get tested for covid two times a week and work um but me and emma decided at the very beginning of lockdown and i mean the very beginning of march of last year that we would be in a bubble together yeah um because at the time actually i wasn't working no and you were in your office all by yourself you had no contact with anybody yeah. so me colin emma graham and lily were all in a bubble together yeah and that's really how it works so that's it like we don't like i don't see anybody <laughs> Yeah, we don't see anybody. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't even see my family because they all live far away. So I haven't left the 5K, so I don't see them. So the only people I really see is Colin and you. That's it, like. Um, and apparently my doctor's visit um, set off a lot of people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so on the Facebook page. Sarah got her like, bloods done by a proper fucking doctor, by the way. Yeah, there's like 46 comments of like, Oh, no doctor. <laughs> um, and I just would like, like, it's really nice to see so many people... Uh, be concerned but also it's really nice to see so many people like reaching out to every each other and looking after each other yeah. and being like oh if you've experienced this um, I got my blood done I'm waiting for the results um, I have reached out to I reached out to my healthcare my insurance company she's never going back to that doctor again because I'll murder get um, and uh, sent you a new GP but, hey yeah um, thank you very much everybody you're all very kind and lovely um, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I just don't know. Well, she's I'm okay, not. But... <laughs> it's near the end. Yeah. Um, we're gonna milk his dry before she goes. Yeah. This is actually we're gonna do a. <laughs> this is um... your hair is so shiny. Grand dyed my hair for me. It's gorgeous. Yeah, didn't he do a good job? He did a great job. It's so shiny. Yeah. Very pretty. Um, he a good man. Very pretty. Um, have you been watching anything or listening to anything or? No, no, I know. I watched, listened to the new episode of Case File today. If you get a chance, listen. It's fucking insane. What episode? Was uh, it's the newest episode. It's about a case in America. It's fucking crazy. I won't tell you because it's spoiler. Have you watched anything? Um, no. Oh, we've been watching Your Honor with Brian Cranston. Yes, I need to start that. And I can't. It's so like stressful. What channel is it on? Oh, uh, it's on Sky Atlantic. 
it's on HBO, I think. It stresses me out. One of those shows. That's like, but Breaking Bad stressed me out. Breaking Bad, Jesse Pinkman. Whenever anything, whenever he was in a scene, I was like, I can't deal with this. No, my anxiety is here right now because this poor chap. See, Pinkman. Someone was saying that whenever they didn't, they never seen Breaking Bad, and they were hanging out with the guy who plays Jesse Pinkman. Yeah, Paul. What's his name? I can't remember. People are screaming now. Screaming. It's That's his name. Anyway, they were saying that they were in an airport with him and people kept going, yo, bitch. <laughs> and he just didn't know why they were saying that. No. Magnets, bitch. <laughs> He's so good in that. He is so I can't. I can't good. rewatch uh, Breaking Bad though because it stressed me out too much. No, I can't rewatch it. Just, it. When his I watched gar- it once. Oh, when his girlfriend does. girlfriend's stressed. And the thing I love about Breaking Bad is that Walter White is a complete antagonist throughout the entire thing. Yeah. And it's so it's it's one of those shows when you're watching it, you're like, you're a fucking scumbag. Mm. Like you're a scumbag, and I, but I'm somehow rooting for you at the end. Like it's bizarre. But the, the guy who wrote that is incredible. He's right for the X Files. He wrote all the like best episodes. One of the best episodes of the X Files. So he wrote Home. He wrote Small Potatoes. Home, the wrote, one where they're all riding each other. The incestuous ones. The bed, sure. The mouths under well, the bed. Well, sure, we know a few families like that, don't we? Uh, the Howard Gordon. He wrote. He wrote like the best episodes of Expo, so Yeah, he's amazing. But I will never rewatch Breaking Bad because it. Do you know any families me. actually that are like cousins? Are you asking me that? Because I, I do actually. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I was about to go. Do you know any? You asked me because I'm country. And I was like, I actually no, do. There's a. Family. I do. There's a family up the road from my parents, yeah. and uh, their daughter married their first cousin. Mm. It happens. Look at the royal family. Look at the fucking royal family. But that's fine. Fucking nonsense. With their fucking horse teeth. Or that, remember that, that film we went to see when I was pregnant? The Foxcatcher. Oh, they yeah. They were massively inbred. Oof. Are they from Appalachia? Appalachia. It's not Appalachia. I'm not sure it's Appalachia, yeah. It's supposed to be like an apple Appalachia. Appalachia. I had a guy ask me out and I was like. <gasps> oh. Yeah. And I was like, no. Uh, we're cousins, friends. We're cousins. And he was like. But like how distant and I was like I'm pretty sure we're like second cousins I don't care and he was like get away from he me. was like oh second cousins isn't too bad it's like that episode of 30 Rock I was like what no, no. what that episode of 30 Rock yeah that episode of 30 Rock where she's like he's my auntie <laughs> um, anyway do you want me to tell my story yeah we should get on to I don't know how we get on to incest but you're here we're leaving alone you asked me a good question yesterday about had I ever been a victim of car theft Oh yes, because Sarah Jane, I was in Sarah Jane's house, and we could hear someone like had obviously stolen a car. How dare you? I live in a beautiful area where that never happens. Someone had stolen a car, and they were like, and I said, I guess I would put a hundred euro on it. It was a boy. Yeah, hundred percent. But I just said to Sarah Jane, like, do people just steal cars just to go like rallying around? Because I thought they stole cars for a reason, but they don't. They just steal cars to rally to rally to do a joyride. And then uh, I asked Sarah. <laughs> I was like, I knew the answer before I even asked her if anybody had stolen a car from from like, I'd like you, some stories from, your, from all from of our listeners. Yeah, tell us car theft stories. Tell us some. Tell us some car theft stories. But it's awful. I, I and it, maybe it's because I'm desensitized desensitized to it. It is awful and it's horrible yeah. because it's your property yeah. and you've worked really hard for it. Like imagine happens. getting up to go to work. Oh, well, Graham's car was broken into as well, oh, actually. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, you yeah. told me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he got really annoyed. I get it. Like, imagine getting up to go to work and you walk downstairs and you're like, where the fuck is my car? Do you know why he got annoyed? Why? <laughs> Poor Graham. Why'd he get annoyed? So, about like two weeks before Graham's car got broken into, we were in Halfords. And Graham loves gadgets. Yeah, he's a gadgety dude. Like, tool gadgets. Yeah. And... 
they had at the counter like one of these gimmicky gadgets and it was like um, a mag light on an extendable like telescopic bendy right. wire with a like ho- like handle right. and it was magnetized oh so you could pick up a key if you dropped it down a grate or something right yeah so Graham bought this thing and I was like why are you buying this when are you ever gonna need this oh like that's like the dumbest thing you've ever <laughs> bought like this is such a waste of money we went home and I am not shitting you still to this day I think he paid for this to happen Someone knocked on my mum and dad's door and was like, could you help me lift, lift up that grate? Stop. I dropped my keys down You're there. You're joking right? me. And I was like, and Graham was like, I have just the tool. To the rescue. And he went out and got it with this like tune he had, right? And still today, like it bothered me <laughs> so much. So much. I was like. he was like, well. Yeah, he was like, see? <laughs> and I was like, you have fucking, you know those people. Like, What? No, I don't believe for a second that that happened. Anyway, off they went in the way. Two weeks later, Graham got up for work. Graham used to work like really early mornings and he was up at like five or four in the morning. Yeah. And he went down and came back upstairs and was like, my car said to be broken into. And I was like, oh, okay. So we called the guards anyway. His car got taken away for like fingerprints. It was pointless. Whoever broke into the car couldn't get it going. But they stole that tool. Was he devastated? Yeah, and Simpson Day talks about oh, it. <laughs> I love the way he's like, they broke into the car, but they stole this fucking thing I bought in Harford's Har- or wherever he bought Harford's. Yeah, it made him really sad. Um, poor Graymo. It's a good story. I want you to tell that van story as well. But the van think... story's not funny, but... It hit... Well, it hit... Find me. Like, it is, it is and it isn't. Like, it is and it isn't. Do you know? You sick bitch. No, it's funny in the sense that, like, your poor dad was just... Dragged into a situation he didn't want to be dragged yeah, so, into. Uh, in the, what did I say, what year, 1994? Yeah. So 1994, 1995, my sister is six years older than me and was like of the age where my parents were like, finally, like you can babysit. Yeah. So my mom and dad decided they were, my dad was gigging. Right. And he was gigging in the Lawns pub in Ballyferma. Yeah. So my mom was like, I'm going to go and McKinley, you can babysit. Yeah. Now, my memory of it is, like, not great because I was a kid. You were so little, yeah. But I think my mum put us to bed. Right. And then was like, now they're to you bed. You look after them. And yeah, you yeah, just yeah. have to look after them. But I was woken up at some point in the middle of the night. at I think about half twelve, one o'clock. Yeah. With Michaela going, get down on your hands and knees and crawl. Get down on your hands and knees and crawl. And cr- crawl, in, crawl after me. That's terrible. Get down on your hands and knees. And I was woken up that way, so... I got down on my hands and knees and I crawled after her and we crawled into the box bedroom at the front of the house yeah. and she was like, stay down on the ground, don't get on the bed. And me and Richie were like in the box bedroom on the ground and she was like trying to like peek over the windowsill yeah. to like look out the window and I was like, what's going on? And I crawled over to have a look and when I like kind of peeked my yeah. head down out the window, there was like a bunch of like, what to me looked like men but were probably boys, yeah, teenage boys in our garden and they were like at my dad's van and my sister was like don't don't make a sound the problem with it was it's before mobile phones yeah and our telephone was in the hall at our front door and our front door was too big for us to play so if you went inside somebody would have saw the yeah and she was just like she was terrified that we were going to look out if we heard a noise and that's why she woke us and then she also was terrified that they were going to come to the house yeah um so we sat there for what felt like hours but it obviously wasn't they stole the van and drove off and as they oh, drove nice. off Michaela went downstairs and rang 
she didn't ring the guard. She rang the pub. Rang the pub, yeah. And that. then said, like, can you get my mum and dad to come up? They, mum and dad, dad was like, ring the guards. Or my dad was like, I'll ring the guards from here. Yeah. But we're on our way home. Don't open the front door. Yeah. And then my dad rang Alice and Freddie next door. Right. And Alice and Freddie then were like, yeah, came it's in. clear. So yeah. they came in. So anyway, the guards got up to the house as my mum and dad were arriving at the house. Right. But they also, my dad had this friend with him. who was my mum's cousin. He was an absolute idiot. <laughs> and he was like, fuck that, I'm going over there and I'm going... Because we lived in a place in Paddy Farmer where right near... We lived in uh, Clifton and right across from us was a place called Gallantstown. Yeah. And Gallantstown's like infamous historically with like um, criminal gangland behaviour in the like er- late 80s and, and uh, early, like 90s. early to mid 90s. Anyway, she... We could see Gall- We could see our car. Yeah. We could our see the van, van being driven And we could around. see it being like driven around. And Paul was like, I'm going over there. And the guards were like, if you go over there, we cannot go over there. If we go over there, we're going to start a riot. That's fucking crazy. Um, and I lived like in, at that time in Ballyferma from like that age up until like 1998. Like that That's area nuts. in particular was like completely controlled by a gang called the Red Wall Gang. Yeah. But also like a Halloween and stuff. The area was like... You couldn't... I couldn't go trick-or-treating. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you couldn't come into Bally Farmer or go out Bally Farmer. I remember they locked it down, right? it off. Yeah, yeah. he locked it down. Um, so, anyway, this idiot was like, oh, I'm going up there to get the van. And the guards are like, you can't. So he wanders off up the road yeah. to get the van. And my dad's like... I could, my dad was like stuck between a rock and a hard place. And yeah. He was like, I can't let him go. And so as he kind of wanders off, my dad kind of wanders off after him and my dad is trying to raise him yeah, yeah, to be like, yeah, yeah. leave it it's just a van yeah we'll survive yeah, like, it's grand. just a van and he was like no 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 this is fucking stupid like anyway they got up there and <laughs> yes I'm sorry <laughs> uh, Paul who's like all bravado and they're like fuck yes he's our bunch of four. how fucking dare you takes one punch and it's knocked out <laughs> like one punch gone <sighs> Your poor dad. Right. And then my dad is just like, uh, like left standing there. He didn't even want to go. No, but my dad was like, I think because my dad was there at that point, and I think because he was knocked out, and I think also I don't like because he's a man, and to save face, he was like, give me back the van. And they were your dad like, said that. Yeah. And they were like, no. Um. Oh, and then he was like, oh, he was like, okay. no, give me back the van, and they were like, no. But anyway, it got violent then. So then they. They held my dad up and Ugh. the rest of them circled him and just took turns punching him and hitting him. Poor dad. And then they got a tire iron and hit him and knocked him out. And then they kind of all drove off. But even, like we were all like, and I remember how traumatic it was because I remember we were all in the garden screaming. And oh. we were like asking the guards. Go up there, please. Go and get my dad. Like go and get him. And were they like, no, we're not doing it. And they were like, we can't go up. That's and they were like, we also told them not to go. That is unbelievable. Like. So anyway, then Paul came through. Hades, it's not my fault. And picked my dad up. Look, 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 look. <laughs> What's he giving out about? It's not my fault. <laughs> I can't. You won't let me help you. Can let go. Hades is interrupting us. Let go. <laughs> if I try to take this off, he's going to attack me. There we go. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go on. Um... So yeah, they were, they, they came through, Paul carried my dad down and then the guards were like, do you need an ambulance? And my dad was like, no. And then I just remember. Oh, of course he said no. Yeah. I just remember getting up the next day and my dad's head being like four times the size normally. Oh, Sarah. Um, and the van got burned out. 
It just when you it, I shouldn't have laughed, but just the fact that he took one slap and he yeah, one punch. Out cold. Oh, he's the guy that fainted at my wedding. And then your dad was like, "Remember the guy that collapsed at my yeah, wedding?" Yeah, 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 yeah. This is another story of like my messed up family. But there was a fight at my wedding, like not a physical fight, but well, it was going to be a physical fight, but it stopped being a physical yeah. fight. But I don't know how, but someone got mixed up in the like scenario. And Paul Arnold fainted in the next round, <laughs> and someone thought that the fight had that had started on the dance floor had it was Paul and somebody and like knocked, someone him knocked him out. And I remember this person like running through my wedding, looking for the guy that he thought had knocked him out to be like, "We have to go! You're after killing your man!" <laughs> <laughs> your wedding was gas crack. I remember just. I missed all of that because I was out getting locked. I missed all of that. But I think craziness. you were there, and Paul fainted. I think so, but and I no one could get him up. I wasn't there for all that other nonsense. Like I was out. I had a great time. I was like, "This is great." Yeah, I even like uh, it was good. What it was great crack. Graham was locked. Graham let I never, never in my in life. The history of my relationship with Graham was oh my god, he was off. He was fucked. Like he was so drunk. I've never been more annoyed. He was out in the the boot of a car drinking. And something. <laughs> We were. It was our wedding. Yeah. We could afford to pay for alcohol. He was out in the boot of a car. I remember. Drinking. Like, does anybody know where Graham is? And he was out in the boot of a car drinking a bottle of yeah. Captain Morgan. He was fucked. It was hilarious. It was gas. That wedding was gas. Graham was locked. It was hilarious. Anyhow, that's the end story? of uh, story time. Story time. This week at the Murder Most Irish Patreon, Emma and Sarah Jane bring you around Dublin for a very, very special edition of MMI Drive, where they point out all the most famous raw spots. Also, find out which relative of Colin spent Christmas Eve bleeding from the eyes. On MMI Behind the Music, find out why Sarah Jane thinks Peter Andre is just a little bit iffy and why Colin is obsessed with Katie Price. All this plus the usual MMI Bites uploads as well as your favourite show closing songs come join the fun for only 6 euros over at www.patreon.com forward slash murder most irish anyway tell your horror story okay so I'm going to tell a story this week that is not a murder most irish story it's a mystery most irish it's a mystery most irish it's uh, just because I think Sometimes go to have a break. It is. We're getting away from the mur- human murder and we're going on to the old horsey murder. The equine murder. Equine murder. So, I also think this is the most Irish crime in oh, the of all time. Yeah. Of all crimes. And it also was handled in Terribly. the most Irish way. <laughs> it's one of my favourite stories about uh, how they didn't get somebody is, is the sugar thing. Did I ever tell you that? No. You'll probably tell it. Go on in here. It's like one of my favourite things ever. Because I think like, this could not be more like the Gardaí if they tried. Okay. Oh, is this... Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. So, Shergar was born on the 3rd of March, 1978. What was his parents' name? John and Susan. Uh, John and Susan. <laughs> two beautiful horses. And lived in the mountains of Inishmer. <laughs> they were madly in love. And they were madly in love. The <laughs> John needed to pursue his career. And Susan was like, I've had enough of this yeah. life. They were madly in love. Um, Susan wanted to be an artist and Susan. Sean Sean wanted to be an architect I think we've changed their names thrice <laughs> <laughs> it's the shopping pod. all of my references by the way are like Wikipedia and the, the Guardian and then the just Guardian. my own mind because I think every Irish person knows everything about this, this story true, yeah so he was born an Irish bred British trained 
thoroughbred. After a very successful season in 1981, he was retri- retired to Balmany Stud in Kildare, Ireland. Very good. Prince, I did not know this now. This yeah. is my bit. Prince Shar Kareem Al Hussein, born on the 13th of December 1936, known by the religious title Malana Hazar Imam, within Muslim circles, and as Aga Khan, yeah, Aga Khan the yeah. sixth elsewhere, is the 49th and current Imam of Nizari, a denomination of Shia Islam. That's a lot of words. <laughs> Just see me, I was trying to spell them. And then, like, a lot of the spelling was, like, an, like Muslim. I was like, I can't say that. Um, he has held his position of imam since July of 1957, when at the age of 20 he succeeded his grandfather. Aga Khan claims to be a direct lineal descendant of the Islamic prophet Muhammad. His grandfather, Aga Khan III, states in his memoirs that... The Shias had a need for divine guidance from the Prophet Islam's death. This need of the Shias manifested in their belief system for the institution of inimit. So I, I have no idea what any of these means. I just wrote it down because then the next sentence was, Aga Khan is a big business magnate and a British, Portu- a British and Portuguese citizen- citizenship as well as a racehorse owner and breather. Aga Khan sent the house sent the house sent the horse for training in Britain in 1970 and, ni- and 1980. Sher- Shergar began his first season of racing in September 1980 and ran ran two races that year where he won one and came second in the other. In 1981 he ran six races winning five of them and in June of that year he won the 202nd Epsom Derby by 10 lengths. Like that's like Really good. Yeah. The longest winning margin in the race's history. Three weeks later, he won the Sun. He won the Irish Sweep Derby four lengths ahead. And a month after, he won the King George and Queen Elizabeth Stakes by four lengths. In his final race of the year, he came in fourth. And the Aga Khan took the decision to retire him in stud in Ireland. After Shergar's monumental win, the Aga Khan sold... 40 shares in the horse, valuing it at £10 million. He retained six shares himself and he created an owner of syndicate with the remaining 34 members. So 34 other people invested into this horse. Shergar raced from 1980 to 1982 and he won a phenomenal amount of races. And as noted above, he did it in lengths ahead of other horses. He was good-natured on a well-mannered horse and he was noted as being very easy to break in and train. Aww. Over late 1980 and early 1981, Shergar filled out and was stronger. So I'm just going back through his race in history here. Stout, so Stout's like one of the trainers. He decided that Shergar should run in the year's derby and planned the season accordingly. The first race to prepare him was a Guardian newspaper trial run at Sandown on the 25th of April in 1981. It was a nine horse race and he was placed... It was a one and a quarter mile race, so it was 20 kilometres. Yeah. Shergar raced his pace after a mile and won by 10 lengths. Jesus. Berlain had written in his column before the race that at 25 to 1, the odds for Shergar to win the derby were excellent. After the win, he noted them shortening 8 to 1, where the bet is still worth pressing. He continued, if Shergar wins the next race at Chester or the ladbrook Linfield trial is easily, he will be down less than 4 to 1. Surely at this time, 
surely this is the time to bet like men. So he was like kind of saying like the odds are just going to go against you. So even if eight to one is low, do it because he'd be four to one next week. Yeah. Um, while out in the gallops on 15th June, Shergar threw his rider and ran through a hedge on the road and trottled along the local village. Good man! He was spotted by a local resident. He's fucking dead right. Yeah, who enough. followed the horse until it stopped to graze on a hedge and then led him back to the stables. Shergar was unharmed during the event and Stout recalled it's very lucky nothing happened to him as there was a crossing there and it's a difficult thing. Um... So, following Sugar's Epsom Derby win, the group of US horse owners had offered 40 million to syndicate the horse. The Aga Khan turned down the offer and instead decided to syndicate it himself. So, for 10 million, that was at 250,000 pounds for each of the 40 shares. A record price at the time, the Aga Khan kept six shares himself, as I said above, and the others were sold individually to buyers from nine countries. The shareholders had an option each year of selecting a mare to be covered or selling that option on. Okay. So if they had a mare themselves, they could essentially stud Shergar for their mare. The stud fees were 60000 to £80,000. There is so much money in horse racing. Insane. Which meant that the shareholders could expect to have made a profit from their stud within four years. That's crazy fucking hell. The Aga Khan and Stout considered entering Shergar into the gra- into the pre the lark pre the arc the triumph that autumn, but decided that he needed one more race to prepare. They entered him into what would be his final race. Aww. The St. Ledger Stakes at Doncaster on the twelfth of September nineteen eighty one, with Swinburne as the jockey. Ten days before the race, a story was published in the racing newspaper Sporting Life that Shergar had not been practicing well and had become mullish. Stout stated that the rumours were untrue and Shergar was running well in the race. Although the soft ground was not to his liking, but on the final straight, when Swinburne tried to get him to accelerate to the front, the horse would not respond. And Mm -hmm. Shergar came fourth, 11.5 lengths behind the cut above, which was the winner. So surprised by the manner of the loss, Stout and Aga Khan ran a series of tests on Shergar and all showed that the horse was in great health. He'd worked well in training after the race, but unwilling to risk the horse without knowing what had happened at St. Ledger, the Aga Khan decided not to enter him into the Ark and instead retired him to the Ballymany Stud. Because he just had enough, clearly. Yeah, he ran solidly for two years. Like, and he just was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, he later explained to a racing journalist, he was just an exceptional athlete. All through the spring and summer, he completely dominated European racing in a very dramatic manner. And after that, he had... After he had run so uncharacteristically in St. Ledger, we knew something had gone wrong, but we didn't know what it was. So it was an easy decision to retire him before the arc. So that was it. He was like, we're We're, not going to race. We're going to let him enjoy the rest of his life, basically. Yeah. In 1982. Oh, hang on. I've skipped a bit. The Aga Khan turned down large offers to push Shergar to stud in the US and instead chose to stand him in... um, the Ballymany stood in Ireland. He arrived in October of 1981 and was paraded down the main street of Newbridge, County Kildare. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, one of, he was one of the most recognisable sports personalities in horse or, or humans in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> he was though. They were like... Yeah, but this is... That's fine. Is it? Yep. Okay. They were like, this horse is like... I know, but I just think it's because there are very few Irish that's, we athletes. We don't have that much. That, like, do, that we're going to cling to a horse. Yeah, that we were like, this horse 
is the best thing. This horse is a descendant of, the G- of Jesus yeah. Christ. He came down. What's the white horse? He's tearing an old <laughs> son. That's it. Um, at the start of February 1983, Shergar's second studs. Oh yeah. So in his first stud season in 1982, he covered 44 mares. What? Which right in everything. everything. Which gave him 36 folds. Oh, you took six babies. 17 cults and 19 fillies. How do they keep the bloodline clean in I these things? Know. I don't know how the horses aren't coming out with like 12 legs. At the start of February 1983, Shergar's second stud season was about to begin and he was in high demand. He had a full book of 55 mares to cover. He was expected to earn a million for the season. This is during the height of the deep economic despair in Ireland. There was a recession and that around 30% of the working population were unemployed and unable to get a job. That's freaking crazy and people were still pumping money into this. Like his horse. So... We're getting into it now. Let's start. On the 8th of February 1983 at around 8.30pm, three men, all armed and wearing masks, entered the house of Jim Fitzgerald. Lads, if he's one and a half, go and look at the interviews with Jim Fitzgerald. Oh, really? Oh, he's a nut job. <laughs> uh, he's the head groom at Ballymanny. They were part of a group of at least six and possibly up to nine men. One of the men said to him, we've come for Shergar. We want two million for him. Fitzgerald said the men were not rough, although one of them who carried a pistol was very aggressive. In fact, his exact words were, he was a gangster. He was a gangster. He was a gangster. gangster. Fitzgerald's family were locked into a room while he was taken at gunpoint out to Shergar's stable and was told to put the horse in the back of a horse box. Shergar became excitable during this point and the men pushed him into a small horse box. After the horse box, was, horse box was driven away, Fitzgerald was told to lie on the floor of a van and his face was covered with a coat. He was driven around for four hours before being released near the village of Kilcock, approximately 20 miles from Ballymany. He was told not to contact the Garda Siakana or he and his family would be killed, but to wait for the gang to contact him and he would be given the uh, code phrase King Neptune. This is a fucking joke. The most Irish thing ever. Yeah. Which the gang would use to identify themselves. The men did not say they were from the IRA or give any indication as to who they were. Although one of them spoke with a Northern Irish accent and the other seemed to be experienced with horses. I, not the IRA. Not the <laughs> <laughs> They loved the horses. Uh, Fitzgerald walked into the next village and called his brother to pick him up. On arrival back at Ballymany, he rang Gislaine Dorian to inform him of the theft and urged him not to call the police because of the threats that had been made. Dorian attempted to reach the Aga Khan in Switzerland to inform him, then rang Stan Cosgrove, Shergar's vet, who also was a shareholder. Cosgrove contacted a, a retired Irish army captain, Sean Berry, who was a manager of the Irish Thoroughbred Breeders Association. This is like a fucking, it's like six degrees of separation. Yeah. Berry contacted Alan Dukes, a friend of who was, a friend of his who was the serving minister for finance, who suggested that Berry speak to Michael Noonan, the minister for justice. Noonan and the Dukes told him to call the Garda and at this time it was 4am. Jeez, they literally went around the country trying yeah. to figure out what to do. 
Drian had managed to contact the Aga Khan, who told him immediately to call the Guardi. The force were then contacted, but at this point it's eight hours after Shergar had been stolen. Fucking Egypts! Like, like they could have, they could have tracked that van. They honestly could have tracked that van. Wait, you went to Kilcock Village. You yeah. could, there's a, there's a police station in Kilcock Village. They literally could have tracked it. Yeah. No, but I understand him being afraid for his family. Like I get that. I get that too, you but know. like it, he's ringing the studs. Yeah. So at that point, it's they know his family. So like at that point, the guy he contacts should be like, "Your family are your fine. Family are fine. Here we'll safe. call the guards." Yeah. No. The next bit's important. The first phone call came from the teams was on the night Shergar was stolen. Fitzgerald was still not back at Ballymany by that time and had not had the chance to tell the news of the theft to anyone. So they rang the stud and they told Ballymany, they told um, Fitzgerald that they would kill his family and not to tell anybody. Yeah. But like within like an hour of him being gone, they, they rang, rang Bally. How did the fuck do they think he was getting back oh, to the Oh, the whole thing's a farce. Uh, theft to anyone the call was to Jeremy Maxwell a horse trainer based in Northern Ireland the caller demanded £40,000 although this figure was later raised to £52,000 so first they wanted £2,000 now within like an hour they ring someone in Northern Ireland to say they want £40,000 and then £52,000 Maxwell was told that the negotiations would only be with three British horse racing journalists Derek Thompson John Oakley and Peter Campling from the Sun. The men were told to be at the Europa Hotel in central Belfast by what? Thursday evening. The Europa Hotel was known as the most bombed hotel in Europe after having suffered multiple bomb attacks during the Troubles. It's a lovely hotel. They're like, come on up there now, lads. Yeah. Imagine being a sport, uh, a horse journalist and you, you're just living your life and then they're like, there's some gangsters that want you to come try and save Sugar. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? There's uh, a couple of lads from clearly the IRA. <laughs> But maybe not. Clearly. <laughs> uh, we've got Northern Ireland accents and we want you to meet in the Europa. But we're not we're affiliated. We're not affiliated with the IRA. Um, when the three journalists arrived at the Europa, they were contacted by phone and told to go to Maxwell's house, the coffee company, obviously. <laughs> 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 they were told to go to Maxwell's house to await further calls on orders from the police. Thompson kept the person talking as long as possible, but the caller rang off at 80 seconds before the call could be traced. There was a series of calls to Maxwell's house later that night, and at 1.30am, Thompson managed to keep the caller talking for over 90 seconds, which would have been enough to trace the call. He was told the person who was doing the call intercepts had finished his shift... (laughs) At midnight and gone home. Fucked up. Oh, and they'd no one to come in. Doesn't this sound remarkably familiar? This is literally, I remember I listened to the case file episode on this. I never really didn't know that much about Sugar. And he was like, you could hear it in his voice that he was like, fucking Irish. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most Irish thing ever. <laughs> at 7am on the 12th of February, another call was put through to Maxwell's house, which said that things had gone wrong and that Sugar was dead. <gasps> Although a committee put together by the syndicate to coordinate the response later considered that this was a hoax. And also that they rang and went, things went wrong. We've killed the horse. The horse got a gun somehow. <laughs> Self-defense. <laughs> like, what the fuck went wrong? <laughs> he just, they're calling, they're like, he's got the gun. Hit the deck, lads. Like, Check what, out, no. what went wrong? That's the <laughs> 
This poor horse. We're shopping. <laughs> anyway, go on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Although a committee put together for the syndicate to coordinate the response later considered that this was a hoax. Hoax, Toby argues that as the call about the theft preceded Fitzgerald's return to Ballymoney, i.e. before anyone knew about the theft, and as the callers used the code phrase King, King Neptune, Neptune in their communications, it's more likely excuse me, that the calls and the ensuing focus on the high-profile activity in Belfast were undertaken to distract the authorities from what was happening to Shergar elsewhere. Oh, okay. So they were like... Bait switch. Yeah. Well, even like, give us 57 grand. Horse dead. <laughs> it got out of control. <laughs> we don't know what happened. We came back to the house. He was having a rave. On the 9th of February, Thieves opened a second line of negotiation. Contacting Ballymanny stood directly and speaking to Dreon. The call which came in at 4 or 5 p.m. was short. Dreon was not a fluent speaker of English and struggled to understand the thick fucking <laughs> Irish accent on the caller. The caller similarly had problems with Dreon's heavy French pronunciation. Oh, and 90 minutes later. 90 minutes? Yes. The caller tried again. With Dreon asking him to speak slowly, a demand of two million pound was made for the return of Shergar, and a contact number in France, and for a contact number in France through which further negotiations could be made, Dreon provided the number of Aga Khan's French office. The syndicate which owned Shergar brought in a risk and strategic consulting from control risks to handle the negotiations. The negotiate, they negotiate from the Paris office with a series of telephone calls over four days. On Friday the 11th of February, the negotiators demanded proof that Shergar was still alive as there had been some speculation in the press that Shergar was dead. Well, they told some other people that he was dead. Yeah, so that's where the speculation came from. Yeah. The team said that the representative of the syndicate should go to Crofton Hotel in Dublin and ask for any messages for Johnny Logan. What in the name of God is this fucking nonsense? Uh, Stan Cosgrove went to the hotel and asked for messages. Armed members of the Special Detective Unit, the Domestic Security Agency for the Gardner, were present and in an undercover role. There was no messages delivered. None for Johnny Logan? No. No, no. no Grant. Um, he was too busy winning your mission. What's that song he's famous for? When me... No. Yeah, I think that's is it. it. Hold that for a minute. I need to take my cardigan off. Okay, go for it. Uh, I mean, he's huge in Germany. The Germans love him. huge in Germany. Mad dick. <laughs> <laughs> is that fact checked? Is that true? Yes. <laughs> Mad ginormous penis. Um, right. So, there was no messages delivered and Cosgrove returned home after waiting. Shortly afterwards, the negotiator received a phone call from the teams. Angry at the presence of the police. They said, how fucking dare you? How dare you? Uh, and threatening that if any members of the gang were captured or killed, the negotiator, the negotiators and the police would be murdered in retribution. Did none of them ask them like send us some proof the horse is still alive? Put him on the phone. Yeah, put him, put him on the phone. Put him on the phone and put him on the phone, not another horse, because I yeah. know the sound of it. I know the sound of that horse. Put him on the fucking phone. They're looking after me. I'm grand, yeah. yeah. I'm alright. I send you a picture of me with the newspaper. <laughs> this poor horse. This is unusable. No, it's not. We need a bit of laugh. Mm -hmm. Alright, here we go. On Saturday, the 12th of February, the thieves contacted the negotiators and said the proof had been left at the Rosnery Hotel. When this was picked up, it contained several Polaroid pictures of a sexy horse. 
are not talking about people dying. This is why we're like this now. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to... Okay. No, at least that's there. See what I mean? I'm taking that out. <laughs> Absolutely leaving that in. So it showed... Pictures showing a sugar. Some of the pictures showed the horse's head next to a copy of the Irish Times, which was dated. <laughs> so Irish. Put his glasses it's on. on. <laughs> and a little paddy cap. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, my stomach hurts. Go on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go on, go on. Oh, it's the most uh. Irish fucking shit I've ever heard in my life. Okay. Okay. It was dated the 11th of February. Cosgrove saw the, <coughs> Cosgrove saw the photograph and confirmed it was definitely him. Sure. Although he added, it wasn't proof that the horse was alive at that point, and you'd want to get much more definitive evidence. If you had, a, if you'd have seen the complete horse, it would have been different. But this was just the head. They thought that he. They did think that, but I've seen the photograph and it doesn't look like a decapitated horse. <laughs> it's just a, just Sugar. Yeah, it just looks like Sugar having a. Having, having uh, a read. Having a read of the paper. In a telephone call from the teams to negotiators at 10.40 on the 12th of February, it was explained that the syndicate were not satisfi- satisfied with the picture of the horse, which they explained did not constitute enough proof. The, call, the caller told negotiators, if you're not satisfied, that's it. And the call was ended. And the teams never made contact again. That was it? Yeah. So... The syndicate attempted to re-establish contact with the gang, but there was no response to the newspaper request to do so. Shergar's body has never been recovered or identified. Several sources, including O'Callaghan, the Sunday Telegraph and the Observer, considered it likely that the body was buried near Ognashihin, near Ballinamoor. I don't know why they think that. That's very specific, isn't it? O'Callaghan said that as far as he knew, the remains had been buried on the farm of an IRA veteran from the 1940s and that it would be difficult to get permission to dig on the land. Ballinamore is a town of strong republicanism, once nicknamed the Falls Roads of the South. What are you talking about? The Falls Road is literally just like the South. Where is Ballinamore? I don't know where that is. Leitrim. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I never thought. Sorry. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, a highly republican area throughout the troubles there have been several claims of equine skeletons being that of Shergar <coughs> Deslan a special specialist horse vet with a knowledge of equine pathology has assisted the garden in several instances where a horse's remains may have been those of Shergar he retains some strands of hair from Shergar's mane and tail which he says may contain sufficient DNA to confirm an identification Police intelligence sources consider the IRA as the most likely suspects suspects behind the theft. Do you know there was a headline when all this happened that Momar Gaddafi had done this? What? Yeah, because Momar Gaddafi at the time was in talks to like negotiate getting arms into the country with the IRA. Right, so they were and like... you know all those videos of like back in the early Momar Gaddafi days, the training videos? Yes. They were all made by the IRA. Crazy. And then same with like the likes of uh, ISIS, they all were trained by the IRA. That's nuts. So they thought they basically said, "Oh, Muammar they Gaddafi thought Muammar Gaddafi had come over and not him, but like someone horse." Yeah. So the IRA, the, the 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 public and intelligence considered the IRA the most likely likely suspects behind the theft. 
During the 1980s, the Irish Republican movement followed the Armalite and Ballot Box strategy in which electrical su success was chased by Sinn Féin. So they were like, we need to get into government and to do that, obviously, we need money. So they thought that that's what they were doing to try and sell the horse, or not sell the horse, yeah. to get the horse. While an armed struggle was continued by the IRA, the strategy was expensive. So it required payment for arms and explosives for the IRA and for political activity, advertising and salaries for Sinn Féin members. Uh, the annual budget of the movement was estimated between 2 million and 5 million. So when they asked for 2 million initially, that's what they thought? Yeah. And it was always under financial pressure. What a bizarre way to try and get money. Well, here's why they taught that. In October 1981, the IRA Army Council, the leadership group of the organisation, approved the kidnapping of Ben Dunn, the head of the chain of Dunn stores. Dunn was released unharmed after a week and both the Dunn family and the Garda deny any ransom was paid, but the Irish Republican Army said that they got 300 grand out of the Dunn family. Oh. But the Dunn family and the Garda are like, no, that never happened. But why the fuck would they have released him? Yeah, although... They got sick of listening to him. I think, yeah. Wouldn't you get sick of listening yeah, to Ben Dunn? Like, just just let him go. Do you know who's better than you? The UDD. <laughs> Making, he makes uh, radio adverts for the UDD. <laughs> <laughs> they know how to kidnap people. <laughs> the IRA are shite. Do you know what the UDD <laughs> do when you're being kidnapped? Um, according to intelligence subsequently received by the intelligence sources and after the success of this operation, it was decided to undertake another ransom through kidnapping or theft this time, the idea was Shergar. Oh. And I think also, the IRA have like, so I think they may have released him because it's like, if they're trying to gain political gravitas, yeah. and they've kidnapped someone and then murdered him. It makes them look really, really bad. It makes them look really, really bad. Yeah. If they've kidnapped him and then after a week being like, oh, for fuck's sake, get the fuck out. Get out, Ben. But with a horse... But also, like, most people like animals more than humans. Yeah, I remember this thing. This thing was fucking yeah. everywhere. It's mad. This is the first case where I was like, oh. Oh. Mm. In, Sean in 1999, Sean O'Callaghan, a former member of the IRA, who had been working within the organisation as Supergrass for the Guardi since 1980, published his autobiography. In it, he states, the plot to steal and ransom Shergar was devised by Kevin Mallon, a leading IRA member who set, who sat on the army council. Mallon came up with the idea while serving time in Port Leash prison. Mallon was put in charge of a specialist operation unit with orders to raise several million pounds and several, uh, several IRA men were taken from under O'Callaghan's control in the IRA Southern Command and put into Mallon's unit. Right. These included the IRA members Jerry Fitzgerald, Paul Stewart, Rob Butler and Nicky Keogh. Two weeks after Shergar is kidnapped, Jerry Fitzgerald told O'Callaghan he'd been involved in a theft and that Shergar had been killed really early on in the process. After the horse panicked and no one present could cope with him, in the process the horse damaged its left leg and the decision was made to kill it. Oh. In his 1999 autobiography, O'Callaghan states that Shergar was killed within days of the theft. In an interview for RTE, the Irish broadcaster, in 2004, he stated that Jerry Fitzgerald strongly suggested that Shergar had been killed within hours of him being kidnapped. Fuck. And the IRA then kept up a deception that the horse was still alive in their car, in their care. Which would kind of make sense, because those other guys were like, sure, if he's fucking... If he is dead, ring these people and see if we yeah, can get yeah, yeah. out of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
Kevin O'Connor, the journalist with RTE, identifies three parts of the gang. A section to undertake high-profile activity in Belfast to focus media attention on the North. One part negotiation, negotiating discreetly with the Aga Khan and one part guarding the horse. So there was like three different three different sections of yeah. them involved. According to O'Callaghan, in August 1983, in an effort to raise money that they failed to do with Chergar, uh, Fitzgerald and his group attempted to kidnap the businessman Gallen Weston at his home in County Wicklow. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Garda had been forewarned and took over the house while Weston was in the UK and after a gun battle, Jerry Fitzgerald, Keogh and three other men were arrested. Yeah. So all the men he said were... Actually involved in Shergar's... Were involved in this. They received long prison sentences. O'Callaghan stated that essentially the same team that went to kidnap Shergar went to kidnap Gillan Weston. Well, they didn't do a great job kidnapping a horse. They didn't do a great job either of those times. No. Fucking Egypt. Or with Ben Dunn. No. Maybe they sh- maybe they should have got somebody else. If Ben Dunn did make radio adverts, he'd be absolutely correct and accurate. He would be correct with his assumption of the Irish right. No arrests have ever been made in relation to Shergar's theft. The IRA have never admitted any role to the theft or its aftermath. Malin and Keogh deny any involvement in the events. Toby raises a query over Callahan's story, saying the IRA informant was a confessed informer whose life depending on his ability to weave connection. A connection convincing web of lies so like he was kind of saying for him to like remain like available yeah he needed to like weave all these lies together yeah, yeah, so he yeah. was like i don't know without if he's evidence. actually telling the truth yeah. yeah he's like without evidence it's just an interesting story in 2008 a special investigation by the sunday telegraph obtained information from another ira member who said that O'Callaghan, o'callaghan had not been told the full story because the gang was so embarrassed by what happened they said a vet a vet that the ira had arranged to look after shergar did not turn up because his wife threatened to leave him if he did yeah. Once the IRA realized that the Aga Khan was not going to pay, the army council ordered the horse to be released. The extensive search by the Garda hampered any release and Malin thought he was under close surveillance and that releasing the horse was too risky. So he ordered that it be shot and killed. The IRA source told the newspaper that two men went into the stable where Shargar was being held. One carried a machine gun. Shergar was machine gunned to death and there was blood everywhere and the horse even slipped on his own blood. Oh my God. He said there was lots of cussing and swearing because the horse wouldn't die. These motherfuckers. He said, you think they just shoot it in the head? What the fuck were they doing? Like. Like, like it's a fucking, what are you doing? It's a massive horse. Yeah. Idiots. With no definitive news of Shergar's whereabouts and with the Garda limited... So this goes back to when Shergar was was missing, right? And this is just the most Irish thing ever. Go on. So, with no definitive news of Shergar's whereabouts and with the Garda limiting information, uh, they released a press. The media took to speculation to cover the story. Berlain, Berlain observes that in reporting the case, the press speculation was remarkable for its enthusiasm and its inaccuracy over a long period. Such media claims included that Shergar had been stolen by Colonel Gaddafi as part of a deal to supply arms to the IRA, that according to the tabloid newspaper Sunday Sport, Shergar was spotted being ridden by the missing Lord Lucan... (laughs) That a Middle Eastern horse breeder had stolen him from the stud. 
and that the Mafia had undertaken the act to punish Aga Khan over a previous sale of a horse which had gone badly. Yeah, they, He's worth 13 billion, like I think. The Mafia came to, to yeah. Ballyshanna there and now that's what they did. Eight weeks after Shergar was stolen, Stan Cosgrove was approached by the senior detectives within the Garda. Is this the story you were telling me about? That you were like... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who introduced him to Dennis Minogue, a horse trainer. Minogue claimed to have contact with the IRA who had shown him a photograph of Shergar and that he could help get Shergar back if a ransom of 80,000 Irish pounds was paid. The Garda asked Cosgrove to assist them in a sting operation to lure the thieves out. Cosgrove agreed and on the 20th of July 1983, Detective Garda Martin Kinnerons assisted the operation. He put the money in the boot of his car in a remote village, which Minogue was to collect once the horse had been released. The following day, Kinnerons found the boot of his car forced open and the money missing. Minogue had also disappeared <laughs> and the money was never recovered. Oh, Ireland. <laughs> Jesus, Mary. Like, it's literally like how the law enforcement work here is but like, what do you do that? Yeah, go on. I'm, do I'm, you know, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. Yeah, do I'm you know, fella? This is, hand to God, this is the truth. Put the money in the boot of that car, yeah? Get you the horse back. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you that horse back. No, no matter. <laughs> literally what? Listen, I know, I know a fella that has a horse. And he's the image of Shergar. Uh, Spitting image. A subsequent internal Garda inquiry dismissed Kenneron's from the force for breaching Garda regulations. Do you think he might be in on it? <laughs> Maybe. In an interview in 2018, he re- reiterated his long stated innocence and said, when it all went wrong, everyone jumped for the high ground. They, in brackets, the senior Garda officers, all denied that they had anything to do with the ransom. Jesus Christ. So, some people asked why they didn't just pay the ransom. Yeah. And there's a really straightforward answer. is that Aga Khan, including... He wasn't the only person that owned the there horse. There were so many shares. So, it was 35 members and they could not... He could not negotiate or pay on behalf of the others. He was unsure whether Shergar would be returned even if the money was yeah. paid. And he was concerned that if the kidnapper's demand were met, it would make a very high-value horse... It would make, like, essentially every high-valued horse in Ireland a target yeah. for future thefts. The shareholders were divided on the approach. Brian Sweeney, a veteran of the American horse racing industry, he taught that, he, he quoted that, if you ask a mother who has had a child that had been kidnapped if a ransom should be paid, I think the answer would be yes and quickly. But another shareholder, Lord Derby, disagreed and said, if ransom money is paid for this horse, then there is a danger of other horses being kidnapped in years to come. Yeah. And that simply precedent. could not be tolerated. Also, just as a last and final point, the horse was insured for 3.5 million. Jeez. The whole thing is just like, what? Nonsense. Why? Why? Horsey. Why? Anyway, that is the story of Shergar the horse. And um, how stupid Ireland is. And how stupid Ireland was. How we do is things. Um, nothing oh. has changed and you know what's really familiar about that story what? is 90% of the murder cases that are about you know human beings um, end the exact same yep. way yep um, like the exact same way poor little horse big horsey anyway R.I.P. Sugar because he's definitely dead now 
Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Part of me when I was listening to this uh, that story, every part of me is like, maybe someone took him and this looked after him. That's like my ma used to say that about dogs that go missing. <sighs> I'm just like maybe. maybe I'm asking that did. about my dog Jack. Maybe he got someone. out in the snow. <laughs> and my mom was like, someone took him in. Someone took him in. But and maybe I was somebody. Like, yeah, okay. Maybe somebody did. Was like, we shouldn't kill this beautiful animal. Like, there's no reason to kill it. Somebody will take it. But then I'm like, nah. We've seen what they do. So no. I'm yeah. not shocked. Aww. People be crazy. People be crazy. But even now, like, just like all those, like, like be- all those dogs that get stolen. No. Well, they just get stolen and unfortunately put into puppy farms. Or, like, people fight them, right? They I think they do that stuff. Pitbulls. No, I don't think. I think the horses, the, the dogs that are getting stolen are all going to those, like, puppy farms That's and stud farms. Animals are so expensive. Like, Look at this fuck? horse, but Look at him. He's, like, he's a sexy horse. Oh, he beautiful. Isn't he? Did you ever see those horses that that mad guy from Turkestan? I, th- I think I just made that country up. I absolutely think you just made that country you up. You know that like guy who goes on like, he's like a weird tourist and he goes to like places that are... Oh, the dark tourism TV yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes to this country... Fucking John Oliver always does shows about this guy. It's like the the king of this country, and he's obsessed with horses. No, he's not. obsessed with these sexy horses. And <laughs> um, I don't want the horse unless it's sexy. I think it is Turkmenistan. I I think that we used to when I lived at home. Well, I fucking is Turkmenistan. What's the name of the guy? Uh, I think you said Turkestan, by the way. Well, it was close. <laughs> Uh-huh. Turkmenistan horse guy. His name is President Gurbanguly, and I cannot pronounce that. Nope. Birdie Mukhamedov. No. Bird. Let's uh, put this into Google and see what it sounds like. Gurdy Baba Gurbanguly. Gurdy Barudu. How to pronounce? Go. Gurdy Birdy Mukhamedov. Ah, here, fuck off. <laughs> That's not it. Burbanguli what? Burbanguli. Burbanguli. GB. That guy. Yeah. GB. He is obsessed with these sexy horses. I'm actually just googling sexy. Do not Google sexy horses. It's my work laptop. Here, look, look, look. There's. He's obsessed with these horses. And they are sexy. Oh. And they're all over his country. Uh, like, but look at this horse. You reckon he's doing stuff to these horses? You know, he's doing stuff to these horses. Yeah, like, like look at this horse. This is a fucking... That is a beautiful horse. That is a beautiful wow. horse. That is stunning. And they're, like, specifically bred. So the horse is called Akalteca. And oh. it's a desert horse. Akalteca. They're beautiful, yeah. aren't they? <gasps> look at this like, shiny... I wish my hair looked like this. My is hair this looks him? like that. No, yeah, oh. that could be him. He's a nut job. Yeah, that's him. Um, he's a dictator. Ugh. Uh, look at these pictures. I would. Do you know if anybody's out there and they're really good at art, could you paint me like a dictator? Oh, please do. I would make me really happy. Can Relation. I get that for my birthday this yes, year? Yes, please. We'll do it. Oh, look at the doggy. Why is he holding a dog like that? He's giving it to Putin. That's how I hold Jack on a madam. Uh, they're best friends, him and Putin. Of course, they're. So you can tell what kind of an asshole he is. Um, horse fucker. Um, but his his uh, his uh, the town that he it's so odd, like that he lives that like in his country yeah. the capital 
where he lives is so bizarre. Like, just pictures of it. And it's just like, I want to go there, but I don't want to go no, there. No, we can't go there. Um, well, you can go. It's like guided tours. Um, but look at it as a town. If anybody is bored and wants something to do, this <laughs> town is, like, the most bizarre. He builds these, like, really, like, abstract buildings. And they okay. have, like, no purpose. Oh, he is insane. Yeah, and everything is like built Like, really. this is megalomania. Yeah, and it's all covered in white marble. Like, oh my god, this. that looks like a fucking rocket. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. Isn't it? It's a pity he's such a fucking bastard. Yeah, and he. Look at. Look, here's. Like, these are all in the same town. These look like um, H.R. Geiger drawings. Yeah. That's fucking awesome, but he's a fucking piece of shit. Look so. at this one. Like, these are all in the same place, in this the same is town. So bizarre. Um. And everything is made in this like white marble. Um, yeah, look, this is like okay, near the, dog again. the palace. What the fuck? It's crazy. I'd like to go. Let's do it. But I think they'd throw us out. I think they would. They'd be like these fucking crazy bitches. Anyway, that's the end of this week's episode. Thank you, Sarah. That was a great story. Very well told. Was it? Sorry for running out and by laughing. It was seven pages long. Seven fucking pages. I didn't think. I guess seven pages of it. And the reason I got there is because I was going to cover Ben Dunn's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Ben Dunn's kidnapping requires like in depth. I have to do a novel, like I'm I'm eight pages in already. Do and it for the next requi- one. Oh, it requires like if you can at least nineteen more pages of work. Um, do because he's one. a fucking absolute lunatic, raving lunatic. Yeah, but I kind of love him. <clears throat> I'm gonna gonna tell you like I didn't know what Ben Dunn looked like until very recently. Oh really? He's a big uh, potato. Look yeah, on I man. never really. He looks like a man like. you'd see at the Plowing Champions. We used to that that's always go to the Plowing Championship when we were in school. The Plowing cha- Champion? The only reason, Plowing Championships, the only reason yeah. that I like going to the Plowing Championships is you would get free stickers. But do you not get loads of free stuff at the Plowmans? That's ah, not real. It's like. called the Plowmans? The Plowing Championships. The Plowing Champions. <laughs> <laughs> do they give you Plowman sandwiches? Plowman? No. I love the Plowman sandwich. Oh, I saw something the other day. Someone made like a Plowman pizza. Oh, no. It's got tomato relish. Yeah. Cheese. Plowman's right now on a good piece of fucking no pickle though if it's got pickle on it well it's not made by an Irish person go in the bin yeah fucking like, pickles pickles are muck people who put pickles Pe- on a plowman sandwich oh they're from like a New York deli we don't eat pickles no, in fucking Ireland we don't. and I tell pickles. you what the farmer out in the field is not asking for a pickle he's not asking his wife Mary for a no. pickle she they don't grow here. She's asking him what? for a big pickle. Give me that pickle. Throw that pickle in me <laughs> and we'll have another eight child, John. That we can't afford and we'll have two yeah. bedrooms. You've got hands like ricks. But yeah, those farmers that have the big calluses here. Oh, over. Yeah. M- growing up, my life growing up, when I grew up in Legan, where I'm from, was literally men in the shop with cow shite on their hands. Ew. Oh my God cow shite on their hands and they'd be like do you want to lift up the road no no sir there is cow shite in your car I can smell feces no and not just animal feces <laughs> no like that's what they had the cow shite in their, in their fingernails uh, anyway happy Christmas happy Christmas everyone and I hope you all have a great week thank Enjoy you for listening the next week of Covid restrictions and if you're in England and you've gotten your fucking vaccine you can all get fucked fuck everybody Ireland's vaccinated oh, about 12 disgrace. people we're a fucking disgrace and we, we we've, do you know what I love we've uh. vaccinated about 12 people and we are keep releasing new statements where we say we're doing great <laughs> listen lads we've no facts to back this up but you just need this is like your mum with the car and the 80 grand just uh, put that money in the car put trust that, me could, would you put me. 80 grand no. into your car and go to bed no no